Hello and welcome to another episode of Flying High with Flutter. I'm your host, Alan Weima, and today I'm with Remy Ruslay. I hope I say that correctly. We were talking about that before the show. And uh, yeah, uh, he is a software engineer, and you may know him best for Riverpod, uh, provider. And I believe you also did Freeze, too, which I thoroughly enjoy. It's yeah. uh, one of my favorite tools. Uh, why don't I go ahead and let, turn the mic over to you? You can go ahead and maybe give a quick self-intro. Um, hello, for, first of all, and happy to be here. Um, yeah, so I've met, as you mentioned, I've met provider about Freeze and Hooksu. Flutter Hooks, uh, which is a port of React Hooks, which you're familiar with them. Um, in general, I like to, I work on Vertex and I like to uh, main, maintain different open source packages, uh, which we do too at Invertase on slightly different projects. But yeah, like Invertase, we are maintaining Firebase packages um, and all those things. Sorry, you said you're making Firebase packages. Did I hear that correctly? Um, at Invertase, we are maintaining the Flutter Fire uh, ecosystem. So the Firebase package. You were maintaining the package, okay? Yeah, that's interesting. I thought I thought the Firebase package was maintained by the Flutter team. Uh, we are in partnership with them. Oh, okay, so is it which part were, were you actually working on native code also then yourself? You or you were just writing the Dart side, or what, what were you specifically doing on there? Um, we we maintain the easy plugin, so if we have to, we write native code too. And we do we do both C native and 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 dark side, uh, like fixing bugs and all things. Uh, actually, I I recently saw somebody posting uh, about Flutter Fire Desktop or something. Have you seen this? I guess because yes. there's no like native Linux support, right? So, mm -hmm. is this actually in the in the works to actually put something native in for the other platforms, or am I missing yeah, something? Yeah, that's um that's actually a colleague of mine um who's working on yeah on. A dark implementation of Firefire for desktops. Oh, it's a colleague of yours. Are they? I think I saw yeah. they're in Pakistan or something like that. Oh, okay. So you have a complete remote team then. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. We're like maybe six or seven people, something like that. Only six or seven. Wow, so a small team. Like you guys are doing what exactly? So I mean, I know you're working on on obviously on this plugin, but what else you're doing? Obviously, client projects, right? Um. We are mostly on open source things. We try to find sponsors for open source projects. Um, and so we also have our own open source projects like Melos and other um I think it was announced recently, so I think it's fine to talk about like Spec Week, which is, um, which is coming soon, which is uh, a testing utility for. Yeah, actually, that's kind of interesting. There's... Flutter, Flutter testing is interesting because it's kind of like a first-class citizen, but it's also, yeah, I don't know. I, there's also plugins for it too. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess most people just work for the native stuff, right? People usually add things into their Flutter testing necessarily. Um, but do you think that the current Flutter stack needs more work to it? I mean, are you planning to just keep this separate? Are you going to try to actually merge into the to the to the main line? Um, it's mostly about developer experience uh, that we're working working on. So um, what we are working on is um, adding things like watch mode for the command line, um, the ability to run only filing tests, um, those sort of things to improve the developer experience. Okay, to improve the experience. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when is, so? but this isn't released yet, right? Uh, it's working progress. We may have something to share by the end of the month, but uh, it's not quite sure yet. Is there a name already for it? Yeah, spec. 
Oh, SPEC, right? Yeah. Is this similar to like RSpec in this kind of utilities? Uh, what do you mean? No, when I think of the name spec, usually I see this word uh, with uh, like in Ruby, there's this tool called RSpec where you do BDD. So I was curious if it's uh, going to be similar to that. No, no, no. It's unrelated. No, it has nothing to do with it. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start. Like I said, uh, I was kind of praising you before the show, and maybe I should start praising <laughs> you during the show. Uh, you're just a man that's really understands Dart and uh, Flutter more than most people. Um, like, what actually kind of got you into into Flutter and Dart anyways? Where did you actually start from? Um, it's actually a funny story. Um, um, actually, I'm a, I used to be a web developer um, working for typical uh, business applications um, and marketing uh, e-commerce applications. Um, and so mostly React and Vue and but I rapidly got bored. Um, well, not quite bored. Um, more about we had a lot of issues with uh, in in the project I was working on um, with um, as a project. Like we had difficulties maintaining the project, and so uh, but mostly because it was a very junior team, including me. I was very junior at that time, um, so we were looking at better practices uh, on how to do things. So I was making my research uh, too. So um, a colleague somehow suggested Dart, uh, and I suggested TypeScript, uh, which is the project ended up using because Dart is not quite uh, usable for the project we were working on. Uh, we couldn't really afford migrating our full React project to Dart, uh, but I found Dart interesting, so I went ahead and figured like I could try it on on my free time, and then I discovered that Dart somehow as this mobile framework called Flutter on the Dart website. So I want to figure out, yeah, maybe let's try doing some uh, simple mobile applications to test Dart. And so I tried Flutter. Um, and then I realized that um, this developer experience is so, uh, such a huge over uh, what I've been using so far. Um, like sim- simply just installing and creating a product is so much easier in Flutter. And you have almost nothing to do compared to in JavaScript where you have to install maybe Webpack, Babel, TypeScript, all of, the, all of those different things. It's better nowadays, but it used to be very, very difficult. Sometimes it could take many days. Um, and so I realized, yeah, Flora is such a great tooling uh, that it it made it very easy to um, to try and around like one of the things I really love to in 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 the Dart ecosystem is when you're installing a packet and you do go to definition in your IDE, you will see the source code, including if you're doing that for Flutter. It's not minified, it's not um, it's not anything. You can read it properly with all the comments and all, which makes learning about the package or uh, technology you're using so much simpler. Like if you wanted to learn React, you have to open your Git repository or clone it. But with Flutter, you can open it directly. You can even change the code and with it, Hot Reel still works. Um, so it made me um, really curious about the technology because it's such it's so easy to try. So I went ahead and uh, like I, I figure out that um, like one of, one of my colleagues at the time was. Uh, also named Remy, by the way. 
uh, was using Sakura Flow and he was very happy about this account. Um, he, he said, like, I have 1,000 points. Wow. <laughs> and so I found it quite interesting. Um, and so I, I wanted to try and make an account too. And so uh, I looked at Flutter questions because at the time that was the technology I was looking at. And um, I tried to answer random Flutter questions uh, just to be curious. And I realized that I could learn a lot uh, by trying to answer questions on Sakura Flow. So I just, uh, I got kind of like too much into it and I answered questions all the time on Flutter, uh, on Flutter questions uh, on Sakura Flow. Uh, and I did that, did, did that for like two years straight. And at some point, I rapidly grew in experience thanks to that. And uh, yeah, that's my journey, basically. That's quite an interesting journey. I, I would have never thought about answering questions, but for sure, that is uh, it's a great way to learn. Because, uh, yeah, if you if you don't know, you have to learn it yourself. Yeah, um, basically. So you, must, you, must, you must have a massive uh, reputation on Stack Overflow then. Yeah, nearly 200,000 points. I don't, I'm afraid to look at mine. I'm sure mine is maybe sub, sub 100 for sure. Maybe sub 50 <laughs> probably. I'm usually on the other side. Actually, usually I'm, I'm looking for things rather than asking. So I'm happy that I'm not the one always asking. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not one of the, you're not one of the Stack Overflow trolls, are you? I always hear about those recently. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're seeing Stack Overflow trolls are. I'm not too sure, but usually I hear a lot of people saying like uh, they ask a question and then like the cat comes back and just say, oh, you know, you're shouldn't ask stupid questions and just kind of close the question or something. I, I think I can't remember what people are talking about, something like that. Mm. But uh, I haven't seen, I haven't seen um, that many people do that. Usually they get uh, kind of moderated. I know that um, somehow people dislike Dunvox a lot because, you know, the Flutter system would system. Um, but I think I can understand why it's, why people get frustrated. But I think that's a, an important part of why Stack Overflow is successful. Because if you can't stand votes, then uh, it's a lot harder for uh, Stack Overflow to say this this question or this answer is better than this other question and answer. So it would degrade the quality of um, when you Google a question and you get the first link, uh, and, and which is it should point to the correct answer, not the random past. Um, so I get where people are frustrated, like uh, uh, getting negative um, feedback is never uh, too cool, uh, too, too, too nice to, uh, but I think it's really important. And I think many people tend to see, to think that they are receiving uh, unnecessary negative feedback when I think from experience, uh, it's because when people first ask their first question on Sakura Flow, they don't really know how to ask a good question. And so, of course, um, it would be of a lower quality than what you would find. So you would get more negative feedback than normally. But once you're understanding the good practices, it's fine, I think. Well, I mean, sometimes I see questions like, I want to write Flutter apps. Uh, what language should I use? I, I don't know how to answer this kind of question because that's if this is the kind of question I ask, then I think uh, I'm a little bit difficult for me to help you. I think we're at different levels. I, I don't <laughs> I think even you were like, hmm, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I would just leave a comment on, on the question, say, just, or a quick, I mean, answering this is quite straightforward. Like, say, use Dart because there's only Dart and end of the story. Uh, 
or if you if if there is an already existing question for that, maybe close that is duplicate. Uh, like there is no need to spend that much time on, on, on such question. You're you're much more respectful than me, I think. So I should probably learn from you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you behave. <laughs> Usually that depends on my mood, but I think this kind of question, I think, uh, yeah, I, actually, I just avoid answering it because I, I don't know. I feel like if you're going to ask this kind of if you're if you're, you're going to ask this kind of question, I don't know if I can help you because uh, this is something you should be able to find for yourself. But I understand yeah. like. Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of people who, who always say, okay, I really want to learn how to program. But then you ask them, okay, so what have you done so far? And they're like, I just really want to learn. I'm like, well, did, did you did you read? Did you watch video? No, no, no. I just want to learn someday. Like, okay, I, I, I don't know where to help you from there. You have to make an action, right? Or else it's difficult for me to help you, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways. Sorry. So that's pretty interesting, interesting way to go. Right. So it makes sense. I think a lot of people who are in Flutter definitely come from web because it's, yeah, I'm not too sure why it is, but maybe it's because it's very related, especially if you know Flexbox, you can work yourself around most of the alignments of widgets and things like that. Um, um, I think it's, at, at least for me, I think it's um, because um, the way Flutter works is familiar for web developers like in, in web development, we have React, we have Vue and Angular, which are, are very close to what we do with Flutter, with widgets. Um, like widgets are basically React components. Uh, it's almost a one-to-one board with like slightly different namings for life cycles, but that's about it. Um, so I think it plays a big role in um, having web dev use uh, Flutter. Same thing for like Dart is very close to JavaScript. It has a lot of similarities and uh, Pub is similar to NPM. And so it's definitely something web dev are familiar with. I mean, for me though, I'm probably the strangest web developer because I try to use as little JavaScript as I can and I stay far away from React. <laughs> uh, to give you an idea why, why I was in a project where 200 rows in a table took I think it was, I forgot how long it was. It was like uh, at least 30 seconds to render. Mm-hmm. And so ever since I had that project, I've stayed clear of React because it's too easy to hurt yourself if you don't know what you're doing. I don't quite agree. Um, actually, I feel like it's uh, harder to hurt yourself. But uh, I mean, of course, like bad code will always be bad code. Uh, but I think from experience, it's harder to do bad code with React because of how lifecycle works. Like if you, um, it's just hard to say like that, but um, I think it, you would have a much harder time if you just use raw JavaScript because you can do a lot worse things uh, than with React. React forces you to structure your code. I don't know. I never, I've never been a part of any project that took 30 seconds for 200 rows in a table. You would be surprised. <laughs> I've seen some. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying there is no others, but in my experience, and this is at a at a bank, and they were mm-hmm. pushing React. They were like, "Yeah, React is great." And I'm like, "Okay, I don't see it." Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it depends on the people, right? Also, the, this project was like written by a guy who didn't really know React, which obviously mm-hmm. that's what happens. Yeah, but that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he was using Ref everywhere, and I never even heard of Ref before. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, I, I my whole thing is I try to stay far away from JavaScript as much as I can. I'm trying to use more server-side rendering and mm-hmm. the SARs and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, interesting. 
I think I've come full circle about JavaScript. I still don't quite, I'm still not final about it, but I, I don't have this strong opinion that I used to have on JavaScript, like JavaScript be horrible, whatever. I used to think those sort of things, but nowadays, um, now that I've used Dart and digged into low-level APIs and things like that, I kind of um, understand what JavaScript tries to do in somewhere. Like, I still think that it's a huge um, issue that there is no strong typing in in JavaScript. Like, you don't, you, you can cast a thing and it just doesn't work in TypeScript. Like, if you cast something, it doesn't care that if it if the cast is not respected, which I think is a big problem. Uh, which we don't, you wouldn't have if you use say ReasonML or Elm or Types, uh, dark. Uh, there are many alternatives, um, but other than that, like I think JavaScript has a good set of features, um, especially around objects. I think objects are quite neat in JavaScript. They allow you to do very flexible thing, uh, like TypeScript, especially TypeScript, really uses uh, with union types and all of this. You can do really fancy stuff. Yeah, I'm a big fan of union types. I'm I'm really into Rust recently. And so I love the idea of having like these, like even from Haskell, like these maybe things. I think when I actually, we were talking about this before, I use freeze. And I, I always make a, like a result type, I copy off a Rust style with result type where it's either none or something. And I, I really love that a lot. So result of type T, it's fantastic. I wish they'd build that into, into Dart. I really wish Dart yeah. would have pattern matching and unions. That would be, then I would be super happy with Dart. Right now, I'm pretty happy with it, but I can wish for other things. That's my number one request, too. I really wish we had them, too. Do you know? If, is, there, is there a request for that? Do you know? Um, there is a language issue for it uh, on the Dartlang uh, Dart slash language repository. Uh, there are a bunch of issues like data classes and union dice program matching. You'll find out all of them. Have you ever used pattern matching before? Yes. Yes, I do. It's, it's the most fantastic thing I've ever used in my life. I just don't know why other languages just don't have it. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I agree, but at the same time, I also agree that I, I think one something I've been thinking for uh, some time recently is um, I think one of the thing uh, compiled language like um, Helm or Dart lacks are the ability to compile a language uh, a program without fixing, fixing all the compilation errors. I think that would be neat if you could, like, in development only, of course, um, execute some code, even if there is potentially a, um, a type error somewhere to make iterations easier. Because, like, um, pattern matching is neat, but on a really large project, if you want to um, add a new case of, uh, to your union, you may have to change so many lines to start your program that it may take a huge amount of time, uh, which is where we would be, uh, this feature would be interesting. Like you could um, change them one by one and test them individually instead of having to change everything at once. I don't think it's such a bad thing. I mean, I think it's fine to add another type and, and enforce all these changes, but at least I would much rather have a uncompilable code that I know won't run versus, and then that oh, when yeah. I make it run, then I know it's going to work rather than <laughs> like, oh, I, I want to just try it. Well, to be honest, like yeah. every product I've ever done is always going to be put in production. I agree. I agree. I just think that it's part of the reason why uh, not everyone likes it. Like I know that um, very 
beginners uh, tend to dislike compiled language because they are harder to uh, understand. Like when you have a compilation error, the compilation error may make sense, but uh, you have to understand the error message. Uh, whereas if you can run the code, you can do console logs and things like that to see, yeah, actually the compiler is right. My variable is not what it's supposed to be. Um, so of course I cannot assign a string to a number. Uh, but you, for for people, they, they need this uh, console log to realize that's the case. Otherwise, it's just an error message as they don't understand what's happening. Yeah, actually, I see a lot of people posting on Facebook saying like, how come my code doesn't work? And and how can it, and, and mm -hmm. the reason it doesn't work is no safety all of a sudden. And yeah. uh, then they also say, well, how can I turn off null safety? And it's like, you have to try to explain them. Listen, null safety is great. Like, you don't get it. You don't get all the problems of null, null values. And they just say, I don't care. I just want to get stuff working. Like, <laughs> no. I, you, you, yeah, I mean, I, I think I was there a long time ago, so I can sympathize. But yeah, I mean, okay. I, I mean, that's a good point. I never really thought about it like that, that, that it would be for people. It's, it's a problem. And uh, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in Flutter are still beginners, just, just beginner developers, yeah. not even just beginner in Flutter. It's, uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's definitely a problem. But, yeah, I, I still want that. I have to bug somebody. I can just figure out, figure out who the heck the person is I can bug to make this happen. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. Um, I think, you know, let's, let's kind of talk a little bit more. Let's, let's get back on topic. I think we're, we're kind of fanboying out about languages at the moment. <laughs> um, why don't we talk more about like, okay, so you did Stack Overflow for a few years. Uh, and then like, what was like your next kind of, uh, step in your Flutter journey? I mean, I'm sure you must've been creating projects at the same time, right? With my Stack Overflow journey, at some point I realized that, um, many questions were, were very similar. Uh, like many people have the same problem over and over and over. Um, and I, one idea that grew on me was um, maybe there is something we can do, uh, like changing how the API works somehow, uh, to kind of make it more intuitive for the users. Uh, like one of the first thing I tried to do, um, uh, that, that, that was when I already was a lot more experienced, um, is one of the issue, of the common issues that people had with inherited widgets. Um, a few years ago, uh, when Flutter was still in alpha, um, is um, they, they created their inherited widgets, um, but they didn't realize that they need to cache the uh, mutable state that they pass to the inherited widget. Like if you create a generative here and pass it to your inherited widget, you need to a set for widget to keep tracks, of, to, to keep a reference on that generative here. Um, but people just created this generative your instance directly inside their build method as a parameter to the inherited widgets. So of course, if the widget rebuilds or if you do a hot reload and everything, you lose your state, of course. Uh, but people just didn't know that. Um, and so one of the things I um, tried to do um, with provider, uh, that's how provider came to be was tweaking the API for inherited widgets such that instead of taking the raw value as parameter, it instead, it instead takes a callback that creates the generative here and that disposes it for you. So that uh, it's basically caching it for you. Um, so if you're using it, then um, even if you're not aware of the problem, uh, you won't face it. Like if you create your, thing, uh, your generative here inside the build method, you, don't have, you won't lose your state 
because you forgot to cache it. Um, so it's not about boilerplate, it's more about making it more intuitive for people who don't know necessarily all the problems involved. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I got started on the open source package journey. Um, and then uh, as time passed, our, um, um, as I gained more experience and more experience, I um, found more problems to solve and search for new solutions and all that. So that's also how Freeze came to be, uh, hooks and um, Riverpub2, which is everybody is also basically the same thing that provider did for inherited routes, but for, uh, but instead everybody's doing that to provider and solving many problems with provider. Uh, that's typically how I I work nowadays. I try to fix uh, issues by making the API more intuitive. I, I kind of wanted to go back. So I, I didn't quite understand the problem with inherited widget. You said you have to cache something. Uh, I, I didn't really know there's a there's an issue with the state. I didn't think too much about the state. Like, isn't the widget supposed to be a state stateful widget so that way you won't lose your state? No, no, no. It's not. It's actually a, a completely stateless widget. Uh, the only thing inherited widgets do is passing to their descendants a value, uh, but the value can be anything. It's not caching it at all. It's just like it's kind of a getter uh, that bypass some widgets in the widget tree. It's a getter that allows you to access some state uh, in a constant way. Like um, it's primarily used to avoid having to pass a value to every single constructor of all widgets in your widget tree. Um, because that, that optimizes your builds and that, um, like you could technically, if you're using the context, uh, API, uh, visit all your ancestor widgets, um, one by one to obtain some state somewhere. But then, uh, it's obviously if your widget tree grows larger, uh, the, the performance will decrease. Whereas with inherited widgets, uh, the, um, time it takes is constant for this. Um, so, so that's great, but it does nothing else. It's not caching anything. It's not, it's not good at doing anything fancy. It's just linking to a value to the consumer. Okay. But you're saying, I didn't quite understand that what the issue was about the, how you would actually lose state though. That was the part um, that really didn't get to me. Maybe I, I missed um, something somewhere. It's, it's really similar to, uh, with future builder and stream builder. Um, like when people use feature builder and stream builder, uh, they tend to create a new feature when, uh, when they create their feature builders, um, they do future and then, uh, fetch past directly inside the build method, which means that whenever the widget rebuilds, then the fetch past method will be triggered again. Uh, so, um, the thing is a widget may rebuild at any time for any reason whatsoever. You shouldn't. Uh, the fact that the widget rebuilds shouldn't have any impact on your application. It shouldn't cause bugs or uh, performance issues. Uh, but the thing is, since people did those sort of things in their build method, like fetching and doing network requesting or creating their template, for instance, um, then their application no longer respected the um, rules of the build method. Uh, so if, if a widget rebuilds too often, it had some negative consequences. So it, it made too many network requests or it, it recreated the state of something. And so that's the issue people had. Well, I didn't know this was a problem because I used inherited widget in a project before, but I didn't experience any issues. Maybe I just somehow lucked out. 
um, <laughs> but I, I never use inherited widget mm -hmm. directly. You can avoid it, especially if you're uh, like you, you can miss the problem. Even if you have it, you may not re necessarily realize it with inherited widgets because they tend to uh, reveal less often than with, say, feature provider, uh, where feature provider is typically at the tip of the tree. So you see the problem a lot faster than with inherited widgets. But that doesn't mean you don't have the problem. It may be that when you raise your application in production, uh, in a very specific case, when the, you're navigating from one page to another, then your widget will repeat and you will lose your stake. Uh, it's just you may not see it in development immediately. Okay. Um, okay, so you, you made provider to kind of solve this issue. Like, uh, what, what actually happened that it seemed like somehow provider was like the package that Google was like, yeah, this is the one that... You know, if you don't know what you want to use, this is the one that you should use. Like, I, I'm just curious about, do you know how this whole entire thing started? Was it, what, what actually happened? And what happened is, uh, around the Google I.O., uh, Google worked on their package for um, something similar uh, for uh, simplifying the widgets. I think what they tried to do was um, tr also, yeah, focusing on simplifying their inherited widgets. Uh, which the name uh, the name their package provide instead of provider because provider was already taken. <laughs> um, but um, when I saw this package, um, I was thinking that the API wasn't quite ideal and I had some issues with it. So what I did was uh, making an issue um, about uh, my issues with the package and about how I solved them with provider. Um, so we had we had some um, discussion around it. Uh, I really didn't necessarily want Google to say use provider. I wouldn't have really minded if if they kind of use my solutions for their package. I, I wouldn't really worry about it. But in the end, they decided to to say, yeah, provider is fine. Let's use that. Um, so that's how it ended up. And did they connect with you directly and, just, and say good job, or or was it like, hey, uh, you stole my idea, or? <laughs> I was just kind of curious if there was any kind of back and forth. It must have been something, right? Uh, I mean, it was me who reached out to them on, 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 the, on, the, on the GitHub issue on their repository. Um, and then we, uh, we then, um, after extending there a few times, uh, we had a call. And, like, we, we met, uh, we had met online uh, to discuss more in depth about um, the different issues I had with their, with their implementation. And how I tried to solve them, like I um, I um, showcased them how provider works, and then they generally agreed that uh, how the way provider worked was better than what they did, so um, they decided to just use that instead. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, the the, the part I like about provider the most is that it's very we were also talking about before the show, right? Is that it's very kind of clear that okay, this is where it is in the tree. And you can you can kind of see it, and you can move it up and down pending what you want to do. Um, but I think what kind of really killed it for provider, or at least what I think one of the things that you wanted to fix when you start looking at Riverpod was that if you wanted multiple providers of the same class, how can you solve this issue? Right? This is something that you think was a good idea, um, and I think it makes sense. Um, maybe we can start talking about like that. Like, how what was it that kind of starts sparking your ideas about hmm, that maybe this is Maybe this could be better, or maybe maybe this doesn't suit all the problems. I have another idea. Like, what was the thought process? Um, it didn't. It didn't necessarily um, 
at one specific uh, turning point. It's more, it's more, it's more like over time, I realized that provider had many issues. Like um, first, uh, many people made issues about provider not found exceptions because somehow they're using a build context that doesn't have access to the provider or uh, they're somehow um, making two providers of the same type and uh, they're trying to read, read both individually. Like over time, many people made different issues um, about different problems that I straight up couldn't solve in the provider. Uh, like I, I couldn't fix any of those because of how inert it would just works. It's just not possible. It would have to require a completely different mechanism. Um, like we, we could maybe try to do some tiny, tiny workarounds like uh, for the having two providers of the same type. Um, Navigator uh, has it technically the same issue, uh, but it so it cannot try to solve that by having an optional parameter on navigator.af where you can say obtain the root navigator or obtain the um, closest navigator uh, on navigator.af. So it's like a tiny workaround about the issue, but I don't think it really solves the problem. Like it's if you somehow have three pro three providers of the, of the same time and you want to obtain someone in the middle, you won't be able to. Um, so it's not quite the ideal API. And I didn't really want to add those half-baked API um, because I think it maybe potentially cause more problems than it's solving. Um, and it's not quite intuitive. Um, so I started uh, searching for potential solutions. Uh, I was at some point uh, after many issues, I was uh, trying to uh, kind of like what I did with provider to fix the specific problems that people had. I tried to find a different API um, where those problems wouldn't exist. Um, so now that I knew what the problems were, um, I experimented many, many different APIs uh, over time. Um, some that were completely unrelated to providers, uh, many different things. Um, many things that I just trashed because they were just straight up not good enough. Like sometimes you're sort maybe solving one problem, but you're causing many other problems. So they're just not, not good enough to use. Um, but it's after a lot of research, um, I found, um, Zero about API about uh, declaring providers are global variables, uh, even if these are not quite global, uh, which I think is the best compromise uh, for uh, the problems um, that provider had. Uh, so that's how um, I figure out, yeah, it's solving the problem. But then I was re re I realized that um, I knew when I re created uh, when I found the solutions that. Um, Folks that are currently using providers, uh, provider wouldn't quite be familiar with this new solution, and wouldn't say always like it. Like, um, so I knew that um, I couldn't just do a new version for provider um, with these solutions, and instead I had to uh, make a separate package for it um, to let to let people try it, and maybe maybe people would say, yeah, that's not worth the trade-off and I will stick to provider, which some people say, said. Or maybe people would say, yeah, you're right, it's a big improvement, let's do that instead. And um, yeah, so basically the journey here.
I mean, it's it's quite a different it's quite a different API. Like, where did you get your inspiration for doing this kind of thing? Because it's like a, where it's kind of mentioned before. It's it's strange, but strange comes kind of negative. Let's just say it's not as it's not intuitive based on like when you think when you're working with Flutter, it's always trees, right? It's not really a tree thing, but it also is because you have this provider scope, which is I think the name of the widget where actually things are actually stored. So, like it it's very magical in the sense that it's not explicit, right? Maybe we can talk more about Let's talk about the inspiration and maybe talk a little bit more about at a high level how everything kind of works. I think would be a good, at least for me, it'd be very good to understand. Um, my inspiration was uh, I've been using React for a while. And in React, they have this uh, context API where um, when you're defining, they have something similar to narrated widgets, but they're not using generic types. Instead, they're defining a global variable for their narrated widgets. Um, it doesn't quite work the same as with Riverpod, uh, where um, you're just defining the provider scope and then you can access any of those providers defined in your application. You still have to insert um, the context, as they, said, as they call it, inside your React tree. Um, but the difference is um, with their API, since they're defining a variable, um, they have type informations about. Um, about uh, what the result will be. They don't have. Also, they also don't have uh, issues with um, two variables of the same type or other limitations about uh, internet, which is in general like um, the the issues that provider has. So I, I figure out that's a good. That's a good. Um, that looks like a good solution. Uh, the problem was. Um, with this approach, you still have to uh, insert all of your providers inside the widget tree. Like you're defining your provider as a, as a global variable, but you still have to insert it inside your widget tree. Maybe pass it to multi-provider or something like that. Um, which is very tedious, uh, especially considering now they are separated, so it's less obvious. Um, so I wasn't too fan of that, and I searched for solutions to fix this problem. I didn't want to be able to define the provider and then add it to multi-provider. Um, and so after trying a bunch of different things, I figured out I could use this provider scope, which it uh, kind of uh, with lazy initialization, like the way it works is basically um, it no longer supports, uh, Riverbot purposefully no longer supports um, initializing a provider uh, the first time you're uh, provider uh, the first time your uh, widget tree renders. Uh, it, it's instead initialized um, the first time you're reading the provider. And so since now uh, providers are always initialized the first time you read the provider, um, I could um, I don't I no longer need to know all the providers that exist in the application. I can uh, deal with the initialization process only when the, the first time they are accessed because then i would have the, i would have i would know directly what the provider is i would know which providers exist at that time um, and then i would be able to link them to maybe a map somewhere in which is basically what provider scope is it's basically a map of provider and their state um that's basically how it works yeah sorry i'm just looking at provider scope because it is pretty interesting um yeah i still wish i could understand how things get inserted right so it's, it must be doing something with that ref 
It's just so hard um, for me to understand without seeing it explicit. Basically, think about it as um, a fancy map. It's, it's, that, um, it's a map where all the keys are the providers and the values are the state of your providers. Um, and so when you read, when, and the thing is that when you're trying to read the map, um, you're using more um, the put if absent method. Um, so it's basically doing the insertion of the provider state for you. So you, you don't have to do if uh, the state is, is known, then create the state or, or otherwise read the state. It's doing that for you. But other than that, it's quite similar to a map. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, it seems pretty good. Um, I'm kind of curious about like what is happening with with Riverpod recently. I, I didn't look at these exchanges, but I did see a lot of people complaining that uh, things are being broken recently. I guess you must be making some pretty big API changes that this is happening. Uh, yes, uh, I know very recently the one dot zero of Riverpod, which is um, a unification of this syntax. Um, of Ripple. Um, it's, um, it's more streamlined like now. Um, before, we used to have many different syntax for reading a provider, uh, which depended based on whether you were in a provider, whether you were in a widget, whether you use further hooks. Uh, so now, anywhere you are, uh, it's always the same syntax for reading a provider, which makes um, um, learning provider, uh, learning Ripple, sorry, a lot easier. Um, and the API are more intuitive, uh, but it's also a big breaking change. Um, but hopefully, uh, we made uh, with team, uh, which is helping me um, working on Riverpod, uh, we made a migration tool so that the, it's dealing for it's dealing with the migration for you. So that you do uh, you install Riverpod CLI, and then you do Riverpod migrate, and then it's migrating your project to the new syntax for you. So even if it's even if it's a big breaking change, um, the migration cost is very low. Actually, it's it's basically done for you. Okay, well that's good. I, I didn't even know about that. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I think one of the also really the cool things about Riverpod is the the compile time guarantees that you can say okay, because basically it makes sense, right? You have three different states. You know, the data is there, the data is loading, or the data errored out. That's really quite clean. I can't imagine any other possible states that may happen. Um, like, where did that kind of idea come from? Because that's really a, a fantastic idea, and it's amazing that you can implement that. It's related to Freeze, uh, because I've always wanted uh, union types in Dart. Um, and so I, I made Freeze um, based on different inspiration I saw um, in the Dart community. I tried, and once again, it's the same story. I basically tried a lot of things, many projects that never were quite released because they weren't reusable. But then at some point, I found the syntax for freeze and I released it. Um, and so I think freeze is quite a good solution to union types. Um, and I like it, and I think people like it too. And so I figure out. Um, I can use that directly inside the robot too uh, for asynchronous state um, because that would make uh, that would go uh, that would be um, like what's the word like it isn't in the same team uh, as with the problems that Riverpod is solving because 
you know that Riverpod is removing this provider not found exception and have a more type safe API. So I figured I could do the same thing with asynchronous state and um, make it more compile safe. It's like they're related things. Uh, and so it made sense here. So I did that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, now I want to kind of go back to Freest. I love Freest. Um, I come from <laughs> a, my background is usually a lot of um, functional programming, which of course is how immutable data. So that's why Freeze really appeals to me. The only thing I don't like about Freeze is that I have to run the build runner, which is annoying. Although I did find out the watch command that makes life much easier. But still, uh, that's definitely one of the worst things uh, is, is running all that stuff. Like, is there a way that we can make this a little bit nicer in the future where it could just not have to rebuild everything every time I turn it on or we kind of stop um, with this? There is there is sort of a language proposal at the moment about this. Um, the Dart team is looking at... Um, Instead of using build runner, uh, they're looking at dealing with code generation directly inside the compiler for much better performance. And so, um, basically, the idea is uh, once this is available, um, we are migrating to um, freeze to this new function, uh, this new functionality, which is called meta programming, static meta programming. Uh, so that's the idea. So it's it's supposed to be used typically for freeze. Uh, or adjacent scenarios, or data classes in general, or maybe other things like reflectable or It's basically every, um, everything that's using code generation at the moment will likely have to migrate to uh, metaprogramming for performance improvements. Really, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that because that would make life much easier. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me also ask you another question, right? So the the syntax, uh, I did see, I tried looking this up myself. Um, when you define constructors in freeze, you usually have to use the const keyword. So what is a const in a constructor necessarily? I've seen const and then the name of the constructor, but I didn't quite understand how that works and what that actually means. Well, well first of all, you don't, you don't really have to use the const keyword. Uh, the const keyword is optional for freeze. Um, but you can definitely use it. Um, so what this constructor is, um, is um, it's for immutable classes only. Um, and so what it does is when a class is fully immutable, um, it allows you to instantiate the class at compilation time instead of at runtime. Uh, only, obviously, only if the parameters are known at compilation time too. So um, only if it's a number, like uh, a constant number, a number literal. So if you're typing 42, it's fine. But if you're using a variable of type number and passing it, that won't work because that's a runtime variable. Um, like strings works too, uh, lists, all the things. And and of course, all the classes that are instantiated with the const keyword. Um, and so when you're instantiating your class using this const keyword, um, since this class is completely immutable, uh, there is literally no way of changing uh, the content of your class. And so in this situation, what the compiler does is if you're trying to instantiate the, um, this class with the exact same parameters in two different places, um, they will share the um, class instance 
uh, instead of creating two different, uh, two separate classes. Because since they're using the exact same parameters and they are immutable, uh, the compiler can optimize that. So it, it takes less memory. Um, which is, um, which is neat. Um, in particular, uh, like Flutter uses it a lot for widgets because widgets are immutable, uh, as you may know. And, um, like the memory optimization is a uh, need, but it's not that big of a deal. But, uh, what Flutter does with it is a lot more interesting, I think. Um, say you're instantiating a widget with a constructor. Uh, that basically means that, um, the instance of your widget will always be the same because of how I, uh, what I explained before, where when the class is, uh, is recreated, it will always have the same class instance, uh, because of this constant world. And so what this means is, um, Flutter will detect that the widget instance didn't change. And so since the widget instance didn't change, uh, it knows that it doesn't have to rebuild the, um, UI associated to this widget because it's immutable. So if nothing changed, there is no need to rebuild anything. Um, and in this situation, you, it can lead to drastic um, performance improvement because you have to rebuild a lot less widgets than you would typically have to. Um, yeah, so that's basically const. Okay, because I think I remember when I looked at the free stocks that they mentioned that you should use const in there. At least it had it in, in the in the code. Maybe you I can, can use it. It's optional. I'm not losing my mind. It's optional. Yeah. Okay. It supports it, but uh, you don't yeah, have I understand to. That. Okay. Yeah. Con yeah. It's const factory, right? So yes. the strange thing is that it's const factory, but you can still pass in a runtime variable, right? Um. Yes. But if you're passing runtime variables, then you cannot use const here. Like if you're specifying const factory, the only thing it does is declare that this class can be instantiated with const if the parameters are const too. But if the parameters aren't const, you won't be able to instantiate it with the const keyword. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, I understand. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So we did get a question from the audience. Uh, we actually have some people who are, like I said before, we started the show, they were asking how it hasn't started yet. Uh, somebody asked, will Riverpod replace provider Meaning that will provider be removed from pub.dev? Um, well, first of all, we cannot remove packages from. Uh, so provider will not be removed from pub because that's just straight up impossible. And I don't think we should remove it anyway. Um, but in, in general, I do think, uh, and I do hope that Riverpod will kind of replace provider. Um, when I announced the 1.0 of Riverpod recently, I see Dragon of uh, Inundum. Um, I said that um, my official recommendation now is if you're starting with a new project, consider using Riverpod instead of provider. It's not the Google recommendation, it's mine. So Google is still technically recommending provider. Um, but at least in my opinion, you should Avoid using provider now if you can. Riverpod is definitely in a better state. I don't see any real benefit of using provider instead of Riverpod. You said maybe you may be tutorial specific. It's pretty interesting because I was just talking to Chris Sells a couple of weeks ago, 
And uh, yeah, he may seem like, no, 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 provider is still what we recommend. And Riverpod, we just don't see it yet. Maybe I, I don't, I'm, I'm just taking my, this is my understanding. So no, don't go, don't go find Chris and yell at him. But this is my understanding was like, we don't see Riverpod at the state that we see provider in terms of like ease of use and understanding and all these kind of things. And I think I can see that. I think we also kind of mentioned that, yeah, there's a little bit of a, of a change of thought that needs to take place in order for this to happen. But uh, it's interesting that you say that like um, you should probably just not I mean, it's, a, it's a difficult take topic. Right at, uh, River Pod, which is super interesting. I get where they're coming from, but also I don't quite agree. I think that it will be um, it will be easier to um, introduce provider, but it won't necessarily be easier to use. I think uh, Ripod makes uh, development much easier than provider. Uh, especially with compiled SMC and all of that. Um, but I think one of the problems with Rupert is um, the documentation is not in a good state, um, especially because of language documentation. I have to add more things than necessary for Rupert to work. Uh, so it's a bit scary at the moment um, when a uh, provider kind of like... Um, I mean, technically, provider has as many classes and Riverbot, um, but provider doesn't really. Provider has actually a quite bad documentation, and so I think it makes ironically provider uh, look easier than Riverbot because since the documentation is so much smaller than Riverbot, people feel like it's easier to learn to learn provider. Uh, I, at least, that's, at least that's my understanding. Uh, We'll see. I, I'll try to find solutions to this problem because I think that uh, it's a communication issue, likely, and that um, in the long run, I think maybe uh, the mindset will change. Uh, hopefully, I may be wrong, but hopefully. Yeah, I just didn't find it. Like we were talking before the show, I have one project. So most of my projects are built using Block, and that's using Flutter Block, so it's using Provider underneath the hood. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, but yeah, I do run into the issue of like, cannot find the, the block. Okay. It happens. And, and I agree, you know, I like your, I like the style of ever pod in that terms that, yeah, you can have it anywhere because you got the provider scope. You can put that on top of your, your app. You're ready to go. Um, uh, what was I going with this one? I think, yeah, like you said, the, the documentation in terms of how to properly use this in production or how to properly use this is, yeah, maybe it could be better. Uh, I think also the testing, uh, maybe that one's probably something that's definitely lacking because, well, not other people write automated tests, but I'm a little bit in, more into that than maybe others. Um, but, and it does take some getting used to, like, because providers very used to saying, okay, so I got this provider, I do an implements of that class. I could just swap it in. It's very clear. But, it's also not, like you said, it's not that much complicated. I mean, just, you do wrapper provider scope, you do an override with, and you can pass in. It's basically the same thing, just different syntax. So you have to like wrap your mind around the syntax, which is really what's the most difficult part for me to wrap my mind around. But once yeah. you have that, then I think it's rather straightforward. Yeah. I think one of the irony with provider is that, um, as I mentioned, there are many things that a provider is not solving. There are many issues that Riverbot solves that provider does not. Uh, but I think that it may uh, make Riverbot look easier in that, uh, provider look easier in that sense, because I think many people are scared about uh, the API and the many different 
took many different articles. Like as the fact that provide has just a simple readme, whereas uh, no, sorry, provide has a simple readme, whereas Ripod has a complete website with multiple articles, uh, things like that. Like um, people, the, especially those that are not familiar with those problems uh, that provider is not solving, uh, they may think, oh my God, there are so many things. What do I need to do? Uh, when actually, um, if you use provider, you would have issues. Um, uh, but if you use Ripod, those issues are solved already. It's just people don't necessarily realize it. Okay, I, I may need to start doing more stuff with Riverpod to get used to it more. I feel like mm. maybe I, I might <laughs> be missing something. Um, definitely, uh, none that I've really seen, none, none that I've announced C1.0 of Riverpod. Um, the plan is definitely to do a rework of the documentation to be uh, beginner friendly because it's definitely not at the moment. Uh, so yeah, I think the most difficult part is like. Because the it's the syntax has changed a couple of times where it's like I forgot what the changes were, but it's something like you would say like dot like provider dot and then like state and then it used to be like provider dot like like somehow it changed like when you would watch things. I can't remember what the the changes were, but you you probably know what I'm talking about. Where like the the attributes that you would call they changed, and also some of them were different too. It's like if you're using state notifier provider, it was like this. But if you're using provider, it's just like this. And then finally, I think he unified it to where they're acting the same. And yeah. I think I also hit a stage where like I had to change because I upgraded RiverPod and like things changed. Yeah. I, I mean, anytime we made such change, um, we made sure to release a migration tool too, but maybe people didn't necessarily always realize it. So when we changed the uh, state thing, as you mentioned, that provider.state, provider.notif here and all of that, when we unified this, uh, the tool did the migration for you, but uh, maybe you didn't know that. I had no idea there was a migration tool. So, uh, <laughs> it's fine. By hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're migrating by hand, I can understand the frustration. Um, but we definitely made one on purpose because we knew it would be frustrating. It's it's not so bad because my apps are not that big, but at the same time, like I, I don't mind it to be, I don't mind to do that. It's fine, especially if it makes it better and you know because it's a compiled language it, it's not that difficult to do because you can see all the errors yeah if it's a runtime error that so that then i would get a little bit upset yeah that's definitely one of the big benefits of Ripod is since it's compiled safe uh sure we well, sure it may be breaking but if you, if you didn't migrate you will know that you didn't migrate um you you will know if you're still missing something whereas a breaking chain in a JavaScript for example would be in a JavaScript package would be horrible. So let me just ask you, just kind of curious, what is your favorite package that you have worked on? Is it Riverpod? Yes, uh, I think so. Yes. Um, I was hoping you're going to throw me a uh, throw me a, a screwball and, and say something very strange, but you you gave me the typical answer I was expecting, which I'm a little bit upset about, but it's okay. <laughs> I mean, I um, it's a. Uh, close match between Riverbot and Freeze. Um, I think they're both good contenders for my favorite package. Um, I think Freeze is definitely more interesting. You do a lot yeah. more interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't quite agree. I think Riverbot is doing many very, very interesting things. It's just, once again, the documentation is an issue at the moment. It's not necessarily making those interesting things obvious. Like, my favorite thing with Riverbot is uh, 
ref.watch, which is unique to Rootbot. Like you won't find it in provider or you won't find it block, you won't find it in anywhere. Uh, but it's doing it's it's allowing such such a huge simple sorry, it's allowing uh, such a huge simplification of your logic in some cases. Um, but it's definitely something uh, that needs to be better introduced. Um, so the documentation, uh, I have a lot of work to do on the documentation on that area. Well, I mean, uh, Flutter Block does have context.watch and context.select, yeah, which is kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, I mean, provider has those, but that's not quite what I meant. Uh, you cannot use context.watch, context.select inside a provider. Um, so uh, mm. you cannot really easily combine providers. It's mm. not really something you would typically do in provider or in block or in whatever. You don't really combine providers. Um, yeah, this, this is true. I understand what you're saying now. And I was actually kind of curious, like this... The the watch stuff is that just using like uh, Marcus Dirty underneath or something? I didn't look into it, but I'm guessing it must yes. be using some kind of mm-hmm. dirty. Yeah, okay. That's that uh, now now I'm I know all your tricks now. I know all your tricks <laughs> now. Uh, I had actually during the DroidCon a discussion with a colleague of mine. Uh, we were discussing about React React query. Uh, if you're familiar with it. Um, and I was basically arguing that Rootbot is kind of React query in dark. Um, they are still solving a similar problem. There are some differences, but uh, they are trying to do the same thing. Uh, Rootbot is focusing a lot on declarative caching. And but that's really not obvious. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything more I want to ask at this moment because I went through all the major points. But I really want to get to you. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anything you wanted to, to to say or to to mention before we kind of sign off for the day? Um, let me think about it. Um, Any self-promotion or something? Maybe not self-promotion, but I think um, if possible, um, I would love to have some help for documentation, like as a general call for help. Um, because I know that as the author of uh, provider and all sorts of things, I know how to use those things, but um, I don't have this beginner point of view. Um, and so, and in general, I'm bad at writing articles. And so um, I have a lot of issues in how to make a good documentation. Um, it's really hard for me. And so I, um, if possible, if you find something difficult, uh, like if you think something is missing in documentation or something is not clear or something that could you think could be improved, anything, literally anything, any suggestion, uh, please raise an issue for it. Uh, I'm keeping track of them. And since I mentioned I will focus now on the documentation, um, your opinion will definitely be taken into consideration. Um, so please feel free to, to reach out and try and, and help with the documentation. Okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about what would it, for me, I like to know the deep, deep as possible to really understand everything, but I think that that may scare people away. So <laughs> how do you make it approachable yet informative? It's, it's going to be tr- tricky for me too. I, I think, I think a good documentation should allow you to do both. Um, at the moment, it's mostly technical. Uh, and so it's mostly missing the beginner friendly part. Like it's explaining the concepts, but not necessarily 
uh, the journey uh, on how to build an application and something that people generally understand. Um, yeah, a good documentation should definitely have both. Yeah, definitely. Okay. No, I think that's good. I, I, I may think about putting some, putting some use to it, but maybe, I, maybe I'm not the right person also to write this kind of stuff because I'm too far in the weeds, too deep down. <laughs> to, to I mean, do it's that. fine. Like, I, I think any, any comment is, any comment is generally useful. Like even just a random question is fine. Um, it helps tracking down the problem. Like if many people ask different questions, uh, like if, if, for example, if a common question comes up uh, many times, maybe it's worth um, having kind of like a fact somewhere on the documentation that takes this exact question and that explains the answer. Um, so just even asking questions is fine. Um, even if you don't like anything is fine already. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd like to have more documentation of not using consumer widget. What do you mean? Because not everybody uses that one. No, I was just looking through the reading provider, right? Because that was something I hung up before. I told talked to you about that. Mm-hmm. And so reading provider, I'm just looking through the documentation and you're always using the consumer widget. But if you're not using consumer widget, then this kind of docs may not make sense for you. Uh, if there's um, a way that you could flip back and forth between consumer widget and not using consumer widget, like on all these different blocks that you have, that might be kind of nice. You mean, what What else do you mean? Like uh, besides consumer widget, what else do you want to see? Just normal stateless or stateful widgets. Like that was the part that hung up on me for a while. That took, it took me a moment to find how to actually read the provider so I could use it in a, in a project was because I didn't know how to get the ref. And it wasn't so clear for me. If I use consumer widget, it's very clear because it's part of the build method. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's why you're you have to use consumer widget. You cannot use a status widget for reading providers. You have to use consumer widget. I thought. I mean, I, re- I obtained a ref somehow. Here, I could get it from no, not from a provider. I got it from somewhere. I don't remember how I did it anymore. I have to look it up again. Oh, I used the context to get it. Yeah, you could use the widget called uh, consumer, not consumer widget, which is a builder. Um, which passes you your ref and returns a widget uh, of your choice, but it's basically your consumer widget anyway. So it's basically the same thing. Yeah, I think what I did is I just used context uh, read or something. I can't remember what I used to get what I need to get because it, I didn't need to rebuild. I just needed to only call a function, and that was already using watch. I think mm-hmm. somewhere I, I I can't remember now. It's been a while, but yeah, I mean, I wish there was. That would be something I wish was in the docs is more about how to do stuff if you're not using consumer widget or hook widget. Uh, I'm aware that you wrote those two and that you think they should be used together, but if you're not using it together, then it would be good to have, because if, but, if I mean, you're just saying, let's use Riverpod, you should use Riverpod, but then you don't use consumer widget because you don't really know what is consumer widget, then that would be a hangout possibly because all of your stuff is using consumer widget. Because then you're putting a, you're making me add another, another package just to use it. But the thing is, if you're using Riverpod, you have to use consumer widget. You cannot not use it. You have to. It's a necessary step. Why would you have to use consumer widget just for just for using this? Uh, it is necessary to obtain the ref, and the ref is uh, critical to reading provider. Oh, there's sorry, no sorry, way around it. Uh, no, you could just use consumer. I think right. 
if you want to get the rest. Oh, yeah, but that's, that's consumer widget. It's the same thing. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm looking at extends consumer widget versus just consumer, I think, which was what you were talking about. Mm. Oh, you, you, you think you wanted the commutation to show um, consumer instead of extending consumer widget? Exactly. That's That's what comes to my mind. Because I don't like to always add in these special widgets because like if I bring a new person onto the team and they haven't used Riverpod before, they probably don't know what is consumer widget. They probably don't know all like hook widget. Uh, I'm aware that they're, they're popular. Uh, I'm aware that they give a lot of nice ideas to them. But if you have only been using provider, let's just say, right? Let's just say they've only been using provider for the longest time. I'm, I'm using Riverpod. Then they have more things to pick up rather than just the one, right? So... It's kind of like there's a barrier that, okay, if I have to use this one, now I have to add another package on top. That's just kind of building up to more things that I think is too much, right? But, it, you know, maybe I'm making this into drama, but that's just kind of what comes to my mind. Mm, that's fair if, if, you think, if you think that's too much. Um, but I really don't think that it's an optional type. Like, I don't think the documentation can just not mention it. Uh, for me, it's you cannot do without it. Um, because I mean, we, if easy documentation mentioned consumer and stuff, consumer widget, um, uh, I think it's kind of missing the point of uh, because you sh- you're supposed to use consumer widgets. So if if people start using consumer instead, uh, they would they wouldn't use the correct syntax. If if you know what I mean. But I mean, that's fair. I, I'll see what I can do about it. Um, I'll think about it. Yeah, I'm just looking at my project. So like I said, I only have one project with Riverpod and I'm using consumer instead of using consumer widget, mm-hmm. extending consumer widget. So oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's why. Mm-hmm. I see. Interesting. And so this is a funny way of using it. And it's just because like I wanted to onboard people to this project, but I feel if I extend consumer widget, then that may make them feel more confused because it's not, it, it's not in simple fluttered tutorials. Right. Most of them, like you, like you said, they maybe use provider or even just normal state, stateful widgets. Mm-hmm. I wish, I, I wish I could do without it. That's definitely something like one of the things I wish I could uh, fix um, have some form of uh, functionalities inside built-in for widgets that could allow implementing Riverbond without consumer widget. That would be great. Uh, I don't think we'll have any, but I wish. I can definitely give you, I can rewrite all your examples using that. <laughs> it's not difficult for me. No, I mean, that's not quite what I meant. I meant, I wish um, I could remove consumer widget and still allow doing what it's supposed to do. Oh, I see. Because I, I wish I could, yeah, I wish I could do without this thing. Yeah, I mean, documentation is not simple, right? So yeah. the thing is, this is this is your problem, not mine. So I, 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 I wish you good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, if I come, if I come up with some ideas, I mean, um, I'll spell out to you. But I feel like I'm maybe I won't be able to do it. Um, I mean, anyone, anyone can help, really. Mm-hmm. Anyone can help, really. It's it's also a call to your audience, obviously. Uh, um, like if someone listening here has some ideas, I'm I'm really open to anything. Yeah. Okay. So you guys heard it. If you want to help out Riverpod because it's one of your favorite. Uh, state management solutions definitely get out there and try to uh, help out with the docs. Documentation is not easy. Everybody wants to write code, but nobody wants to write docs. But everybody yeah. wants to read the docs. Everybody wants to read the docs. Nobody wants to write them. 
Okay. Uh, okay. Again, thank you for your time. We went a little bit over over time, but I'm glad you can give me so much of your uh, your time again. I feel I keep saying that word over and over again. <laughs> um, yeah. Hopefully, we can have you back on here again when when you got some more changes come up to the river pod. I'm sure. Sure. There's going to be uh, maybe I don't know mountain mountain pod or something coming up soon. I'm guessing you're going to have another idea. No, maybe. no, no. No, this is the end of your inspiration. This is the end of your inspiration. I still have a lot of things I want to do, but uh, they're not involving okay. making a new package. Uh, n- well, not, not quite making a new package, but more... The ideas I currently have are for DevTools, Lint's uh, things like so. So they're complementary to Ripon. So, um, re- uh, they're not a re- rival to Ripon. I don't have to depreciate Ripon. They're more combining. Uh, okay. So more tooling. That's good. Yeah. Well... Definitely, you can reach out if you want to kind of introduce any of your new products and let us know what's going on because uh, <laughs> I haven't met a bad package from you so far. <laughs> nice, thank you. So, are you sick too? I'm also sick. Maybe you did you get me sick? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think that's how it works. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I hope you get better. I got my uh, if you see over here is my baggie of medicine. I got sick. <laughs> thank you. So, I hope you, I hope you get better too. I hope everybody stays safe, but it's never going to last, right? Yeah. All right. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, I appreciate every second of your time. Um, Me too. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day. It's mm-hmm. nighttime for me to get ready for bed. So we'll catch you again in the future. Thanks. See you.